So the reading is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to you. So Lord, we pray that uh, as we consider the significance of these words to the church in Colossae and how you have been uh, working in us as a church over the years, and working in our lives, we pray that we might hear afresh what your spirit is saying to us, that we might receive the gift from your word that feeds us this day, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I brought with me this morning a little jar, which actually came from Cana in Galilee when I led a pilgrimage to the Holy Land many, many years ago. It's tiny, but the real ones held 30 or 40 gallons of water. You know the story in John 2, how Jesus turned all that water into the best wine they had ever tasted when the wine ran out at the wedding. The thing that interests me particularly is the way in which those servants, the lowest of the people there in those days, were the only ones who were involved in that miracle. They were the ones who God chose and used to make it possible for that tasting and that celebration to happen. And it makes us remember that God chooses and uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And the fact that water was turned into wine was, according to John's word, a sign that points to Jesus as the one who takes what is ordinary and transforms it into the extraordinary. Can take the ordinary things of life and make them absolutely oh, wonderful. This is a spiritual truth demonstrated in this physical way. Water into wine. 
And he continues to do that today in the lives of us. If we can be called ordinary people, well, in some ways that's a bit of an insult. We're, uh, none of us are ordinary, but we are people just, you know, part of life today. And the amazing thing, when you stop to think about this, is that God is using us. He's choosing us and using us in little ways, sometimes in big ways, who can tell in God's economy what that might be? But he is using us because he's chosen us to bear fruit in ways that are beyond even our understanding. Because sometimes, you know, we remember in that miracle that nobody else really knew, did they? How that had happened. Just thought it brought out the best wine until the wine had run out. Nobody really knew that God was at work in all that, except perhaps his disciples and his mother who thought, oh, Jesus has been involved in this in some way. And they began to put their faith in him. And that's true for us. We don't often see how God is at work through us and in us. But I pray that over these next eight weeks, we will begin to learn some tools, some ways of seeing more clearly where God is at work and how he's doing things and be able to come with awe and celebration and reverence to thank him for what he's doing. So over these next eight weeks, we'll be looking at stories, examples that show a glimpse God at work through a range of people's lives including members of Christ Church. It'll be so exciting to see how that happens. And we'll be learning to recognize how God's purposes are taken forward through these lives, everyday actions and attitudes. Because the truth is that we're all making a difference for the kingdom. Where we are, as we remember that each of us are co-workers with God in his mission to bring hope and healing, to bring salvation in his name, as the song had it. What this series is based on is something that we at Christ Church have been drawing on over many, many years now. And for some of you, what I'm going to uh, refresh, uh, will be a refresher of what we've been looking at over many years, the red dots in a moment, we'll be looking at red dots. But it's based on an understanding that the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity has helped us, and many people all over the nation have been unable to understand. So some of you, it'll be familiar, and others of you, hopefully it will be new, and I hope inspiring. So let's, uh, let's go back to some fundamental concepts of what we're about as Christ Church as we think about how we do mission here, how we see God's mission through the work of Christ Church. So the first side uh, about the red dots. Now, uh, for a long time, the Christian church has been portrayed a bit like this, with Christians, red dots in one corner, all sort of gathered together, and but the rest of society, which is represented by these grey dots, has been getting bigger and bigger. Influence of the church has been decreasing, 
year by year, the values of our secular society have become more and more dominant. And the mission of the church has been struggling through a few people who are trying their best to reach out to others in evangelism and mission outreach. We're all sort of feeling a bit like we're a bit grouped together and can't really have much impact in the world. But God has been reminding us of his plan of salvation and his purpose for his people. For the truth is, and in the second slide, we see the red dots where they actually are in everyday life, scattered all over the nation, on our front lines. A front line being our workplace where we spend our time quite often such as being in education or in the offices or in homes, in care centers, in service industries, in manufacturing or commerce or administration or whatever it might be. Now things have changed hugely because of the COVID pandemic and has meant that our front lines have changed considerably for some. And we need to rethink, perhaps, what it means for us to live out our life. We can learn to live the life on those places where God has placed us. They may have changed, and it's worth thinking afresh as to how we can be used by God in that way. And we've been unable to gather physically as we used to until very recently. Online platforms have enabled us to meet and worship together, but not in the way that we're used to. And gradually, we're getting back to that physically. But the point that is being made by these illustrations is that the church is both gathered together as we meet in worship on a Sunday, but it's also a community that is scattered right across the nation, or sometimes abroad as well and that our mission involves us being both gathered and scattered. That is who we are as a church. Now underpinning all this is a myth that is being shattered. It's called the Great Divide. The great divide is that massive chasm in our eyes and our understanding sometimes of the sacred on one side and the secular on the other. In other words, some things matter to God and other things don't really matter to God. Sacred things matter to him, secular things, oh, we don't want anything to do with that. But the truth is that Jesus is Lord of life, the whole of life. There is nowhere that is not full of the presence of God. God is there in all things, as Jared Hughes' book proclaims. And our prayer is that the, we will recognize that the whole of life matters to God, whether we're gathered together or whether we're scattered in our different places. We are all on mission with God, and he is enabling us to live that life out by his spirit. And this is what St. Paul is saying in his letter to the Colossians. There's a slide that just takes verses 9 and 10. Paul's prayer is 
that we might bear fruit in every part of our lives. Let me read it. For this reason, we have not stopped praying that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. All of us making a difference, bearing fruit, seeing that transformation happen, seeing little bits of water changed into wine. God uses and chooses all of us and each of us to do it. Well, you say, how can I bear fruit? What does it mean? What does that look like in practice? Well, LICC, and I was part of the, the team that was considering these many, many years ago, have come up with six M's, six things that begin with M. The list of those, if you can see it, uh, is this. We are bearing fruit. We are being uh, used by God in the places we are when we are modeling godly character. In other words, we're be be behaving a little bit like Jesus. When we are making good work, we're just doing a great job of driving that lorry safely, of changing that heating system brilliantly so it works well, of transcribing those notes clearly. Whatever it might be, we're making good work and we can be proud of that. God wants us to make good work. We're ministering grace and love. We are molding culture, making a difference to how things are around the places where we are placed. We're mouthpieces for truth and justice, speaking out in love into situations where lies and deception begin to become more prevalent. And finally, we are being messengers of the gospel when we have the opportunity and we are sensitive to those opportunities to speak of something of how God has worked in our lives and how Jesus has done things which lead us into life. And it's worth over this next eight weeks to be thinking about how is God at work through me or through those around us. And as we reflect, we want to ask the Lord, help me to see, Father, how that is happening in my everyday life. And each week we'll be highlighting different things that have been, uh, that have been uh, evident in our lives. Let me give you one example, something that I came across uh, as I was listening to and praying with the app Lectio 365, which I use practically every day. If you haven't come across it yet, please do have a look at it if you're able to. It's out of the 24-7 prayer movement, which is in itself a fruit of an initiative that a few ordinary people got together some 21 years ago and started to think about praying uh, round the clock occasionally. Pete Gregg, in this particular, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, celebrated J.R.R. Tolkien, the writer of that great trilogy of the uh, Lord of the Rings. And he 
wrote this. Tolkien believed that within every person, and indeed within the stories of every culture, there are fingerprints of God waiting to be revealed. God at work in these things. Recent months have been brutally challenging for many. The words of Tolkien's hobbit Frodo to the wizard Gandalf surely resonate with us all. And this is how the culture is being shaped by Tolkien's writing. And it speaks to us today. Listen to what Frodo says. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. I think that's a profound insight into understanding how life can be lived. And these words of Tolkien are shaping a culture and have continued to do so ever since. So finally, let me sum up what being a Christ follower, being a whole life disciple of God is about. A disciple, says Mark Green in his, uh, in his book, a disciple is learning to live the way of Jesus in their context at this moment. Learning to live the way of Jesus in their context at this moment. Learning to live the life in the place where we are. It fits in very well with our vision as a church. And we are called to love the place where we live. Love the place you live is the title of this talk. And if we recognize those around us as those that we've been called to love, those that we are on the front line with, and we are open to God's love for them, who knows what Christ can do as he changes water into wine? It starts with love. As we pray for those people, as we show acts of kindness, as we get to know them, what opportunities lie ahead? So as we conclude this first sermon, there is a book which will be used quite uh, quite significantly over these next eight weeks. It's called The One About, Volume 2. It's about stories about God in our everyday life by Mark Green. And this will inspire us as well to think of those new opportunities and challenges. And as a church, we're going to gather stories, both from other people's lives and our own. And if you want to email them to myself or to Anita, that would be fantastic. Stories of how you've seen God at work in your ordinary life. Email them, share them on social media, or even write them down on a piece of paper. <laughs> so over the next two months, we will, in effect, be writing our own gospel. We'll be writing the good news of Jesus. Jesus doing his thing living his life through his people and his spirit enabling us to bear fruit in the places we are made and invited to go into.
So let's be still for a moment and thank God for the opportunities that lie ahead and the way in which he is at work in and through us. Father, we praise you that you are a God who works in us and chooses to use us ordinary people to live lives that make a difference in the world. Help us, we pray, to love where we live, to love the people that you've called us to and to share that love with others in ways that will transform and restore and heal. Amen.